to the Shelf Oddities. My name is Eerie. And I'm Serafina. And I want to welcome you guys also back to our second episode of our Odd October series. This month we are deep diving and giving our oddlings longer episodes to celebrate our holy month of October. But before we get into today's topic, Eerie, what are you looking forward to this week? This week, I'm looking forward to Spirit of Halloween actually being stocked. Oh, yeah? Because the one by me opened, but it was very bare. But I visited the one by my place of business today, and it was stocked to the brim, and I was excited. That is exciting. I saw many things that I have not seen yet in store. That black jack-o'-lantern pumpkin bag... Yes. Have you seen it at the crossbody? I have. It's very small. Is it really? Yes, it's, it's like so cute though. The small dinner plate size. That's okay. Yeah. Some some of the you know some of the the girls. I'm a big wallet girly, yeah. so I can't. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, so hopefully some of the girlies out there love it. It seems super cute in pictures. So, you know, maybe size doesn't always matter. Maybe not. <laughs> this week, I'm excited because it is clearly we're into October now. And I am currently gathering all of the bulbs that I'm gonna need for our spring garden. And since it's October, that means it is time to put in all of our perennials that will bloom in spring. And I'm very excited about that. It's definitely interesting to work against the seasons. You think like, oh, it's time for winter, time to stop planting. But actually this is the time I enjoy the most because it's starting to cool off again, a little less bugs. And also I'm putting in my favorite plants. Spring is my favorite garden and I'm so excited. I have ordered (laughs) too many irises. I've ordered too many daffodils. I've ordered too many alliums, but come April, this garden's about to be banging. Hell yeah. As we say, uh, our holy month of October is the month we both spend the most money. Yeah. So here we are spending it all. Yeah, it's rough. And after Salem, it's already... What money? Yeah. Who needs it? Yeah, who needs it? At this point, we're in. And then after that, it just keeps getting, like, more holidays and other yep. things. It's just like, you know what? I won't see money again until tax return season, maybe. It's and a dream. That'll just have to be fine. Yep. I'll just have to deal with that. Oh, goodness. Well, what on a day are you feeling like today? Uh, today, I am feeling like a children's skull. Okay, hear me out. Um, but... Missing the bone on the front so you can see the rows upon rows upon rows upon teeth. Ew. Yep. Why would you make me think about that? I am so sorry, oddlings. I hate, I can see that picture, that one picture that goes viral yep. all the time. Yep. I hate you for that. Whoo, awful. And also, for some reason, when you were thinking, you said children's skull. Yep. I just kept thinking about, like, ethically hard bones. Like, the. do you remember that guy in Tumblr that had, like, all the human spines? Yes, I, I do. I think about that probably, like, every three three weeks, and I'm like... Did he ever get in trouble for any of that? Like, why did he just have that many spines? I don't know. Who just has the that many spines? The man probably still has those spines. Probably. It freaks me out to think about. Anyway, on a lighter note, the oddity I'm feeling like today is a well-kept Zoltaire fortune-telling machine. Oh, that's premium. Premium oddity. And that actually leads us into today's topic. Today, we are going to be talking about the wondrous divination tool tarot cards. I have been interested in tarot since I was a little oddling myself. Mystical cards that could tell me my future. Then, what happens to most of us happened to me as a kid, and someone made me feel like an idiot for even thinking they were anything other than a money grab and a hoax, and I shied away from that part of myself for a long while. About a year ago, I was gifted my first deck from my spouse. We had gone into a wonderful shop, and this deck caught my eye. Black cards with gold foil and beautiful art. It felt like holding a piece of myself. 
Over the last year, I have been taking notes and gleaning knowledge from peers and online about these marvelous cards. So I figured I could take you along with me. As always, we find ourselves leaving our cozy haunted domicile and traveling back in time on this podcast. Today, our discovery starts in 1367. Records show that the French and the Italians both show the first origins are there, but because they share a large border, it does make sense why it would be a little muddied. It does have a lost artifact quality to it because we can't pinpoint where it started or who really started it. Some have theorized that info was in the Library of Alexandria, and of course, unfortunately, R.I.P. R.I.P. So, let's go back to Italy. They had a game called Trifani. The oldest known deck from this era belonged to the Duke of Milan and dates to around 1440. You can buy replicas of the Visconti Sforza deck as it is known today. But what we do know is that the first true named tarot deck was called the Tarot of Marseille. This deck has 56 cards with the four suits, ace through 10 as well. This was found in Northern Italy. It was used like a deck of cards that we have today. They played a version of our present time bridge. Today, these games can still be found in Hungary, Austria, and Italy. But in Southern France at this time, this game was serious business. In their spirituality movement in France, they revived the Egyptian philosophy. Well, they didn't really revive it. Egypt still existed, but in their own culture, they revived it. They added their own images and were focused on spiritual growth. But in moving on to the 1700s, that's when this deck really popped off. A Freemason named Anton Court de Jablin did a deep dive of the tarot, linking it, like much of the symbolism of Freemasonry, to Egypt. Around the same time, a French occultist by the name Jean-Baptiste Itéa, or Itéa, with an E instead of an A, wrote the first commercially published book on the occult. Tarot, Itea, ou Manure, DC, Recorder. Yeah, I'm from the Midwest. We're not even going to try that, right? And he erroneously also linked tarot with the ancient Egypt. Uh, basically, his book was titled A Way to Entertain Yourself with a Deck of Cards. That's, that's everything I said before. That's what I was trying to go through, but you don't want Ohio to be it. doing that. Yeah. A way to entertain yourself with a deck of cards. I think he was trying to go kind of like under the radar, right? It's not like the Freemasons sure. were like... We're magic. Yeah. We're a secret society. <laughs> um, and in 1789, in this Taylor Swift moment, no, sorry, it's 1989, he published a deck specifically meant for divination. He was the one that first called the different cards the major and minor arcana. Then came a man named Elpheus Levi, who was a French esoteric poet and writer. He wrote The Doctrine and Ritual of High Magic. Levi sees magic as occupying a place between science and religion and believes that it has the potential to act as a conciliatory or mediating function between these two views. And people ate that shit up with a quickness. Now that this deck had Egyptian images and this new science magic moniker, you could find decks all over the place. And that led us to the 19th century. The cards now had added planet alignments in the Hebrew alphabet. There were many religions and sciences added to the cards over time until a man named Arthur Edward Waite rejected the connections that Levi had based his doctrine on. But he did recognize the mystical allegories and the powerful occult properties within the card. Waite was an occultist and supposedly a rival of Aleister Crowley, 
who developed his own deck, and was also a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, a not-so-secret society dedicated to ritual magic. This showed him the way to a collaboration with an artist named Pamela Coleman Smith, and alas, the Rider Waite Smith deck was born in 1909. 78 cards, 56 minor arcana cards, and 22 major arcana cards. This was the first time that a deck was used expressly for fortune telling. Minor cards were now easier to decipher and had more meaning in the illustration. There was much more of a continuation throughout the deck. These systems also follow historical archetypes. Archetypes, if you don't know, are typically a statement or a pattern of behavior. You're talking your fools, your kings, your underdogs, your tragedies, your rebirths, those types of things. The public went from having to have a deep intuition and knowledges about energies and planets to a guide and a continuous theme. Smith had made it accessible to your everyday person. It had become the ultimate democratic tool of divination. Currently, 75% of decks that you can find today follow the Rider-Waite-Smith card system. So let's talk about the 22 major arcana cards. These are the cards that are iconic. The Death card, the Lovers, the Fool, the Sun. These are the cards that navigate significant experiences, relationships, and pathways in our lives. If they are pooled into your spread, they lend a hand in showing you key matters that need to be investigated deeper. Something of interest to also talk about with these cards are that the negative cards the media likes to use to scare people are typically not the negative cards. Death, for example, is not a scary card. Typically, the Grim Reaper or the Skeletor figure in a deck portrays the act of reaping more so than literal death. The scythe is death's traditional tool in the Rider Waite system, a tool of harvesting. This card is typically the heart of the deck, the true north. It is transformative and asks that we consider endings and beginnings, the cyclical life that we all have. The death of winter brings spring. Death and rebirth creep through every road in our lives. Death and rebirth creep through every road in our lives. Death works with a calm quickness and accurate deliberation. So when you pull this card, it doesn't mean you're gonna die or anyone's gonna die around you. It could mean that some things that aren't surviving you anymore will be called. Let's talk about the celestial siblings, the star, the sun, and the moon. These are typically pulled when we are feeling like our emotional state and our mental stability feel most confusing. These siblings cover the vast range of our emotions, all bringing something different to the table. Great hope for the future, being lost in the present, feeling a longing for a time now past. And then there's the devil card, a card to suggest a need to war off ill intention. There's disharmony afoot and there's something that can't be met eye to eye. It doesn't mean Satan's coming to get you. Then there are the 56 minor cards. Those are going to be your cups, swords, pentacles, and wands. These are supplementary to the major arcana, but they each bring their own unique information to your spread. The wand element is fire. They explore creativity, ego, and growth. The suit of cups is associated with water. They navigate our emotions and relationships. The suit of swords is traditionally associated with the air element. They journey through our knowledge, communication, and comprehension. The suit of pentacles are associated with the element of earth. These cards navigate our earthly matters, money, financial security, and our home. So now let's travel to modern day again. It's not uncommon for people to own tarot decks. 
There are thousands of different tarot decks, ranging from nature themes to horror themes to cat themes if you'd like. I currently use the Marigold Tarot. It is a beautiful Rider Waite Smith value system with gorgeous Punjabi art. The Punjabi region spans between India and Pakistan and it draws references from the now known Indian state of Punjab. The artist Amrit Brar included art from their day-to-day -day life. The flowers in these cards connect me to my gardens and the art is so stunning it takes me out of the everyday mundane. And let me tell you something about my deck. She speaks the truth freely. She is kind and smart, but not afraid to be honest and direct. Eerie, I know you just picked up a new deck. Do you want to tell the people about it? Yeah, so I just recently purchased the Horror Terror deck. It's by Abigail Larson, Aria Jimitter, and Minerva Siegel. Um, it is the first time I've bought like a darker themed tarot deck, but that's kind of my vibe nowadays, so I figured that's what I would get into. Um, the imagery is very fantasy, vampire-y, werewolves, all of it is kind of darker. Scary D&D. Scary, yeah, yeah, very. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful I am obsessed with it. It was a great What's choice. What's it called? Uh, the Horror Tarot Deck. The Horror Tarot Deck. Well, yep. you can't get any clearer than that, can nope. you? Well, wonderful. So let's for a minute turn to our oddlings that might not be familiar with a tarot deck. If you're someone who wants to get into tarot, let us cover some basics. There is a myth that you have to be gifted your first deck. This comes from back in yesteryear when tarot decks were handmade. They were gifted to students at the time, at the end of training, but that's not how things are done today. So don't let the whole wheel of time gatekeep you from doing what you feel called to do. You also don't need to buy a bunch of accoutrements, no courses or workshops. You can walk into a store and buy whatever deck you feel a calling to. If the art inspires you like Eerie's horror deck, or if you get a shiver up your spine, take that baby home. You will want to cleanse your deck of energies that touched it before you. There is a debate on this. Some people only cleanse it if there's a weird vibe. They see the world as giving the deck a bit of a patina before you got it. And I can understand that type of thinking, but me personally, I know the world out there is crazy and I'd like to start off with a clean slate to work with. I tend to cleanse my deck a lot. I tend to cleanse everything a lot. There's too many creepy corallies around here, but in pursuing one of our favorite websites, Biddy Tarot, I found a list of when most people are cleansing, when other people have touched your cards, if you've bought a new or secondhand tarot deck, if you've done a particularly draining reading, if you or your tarot deck have been exposed to a lot of negative energy, for example, um, a negative house guest or a challenging situation in your own personal life, if your tarot cards have been sitting dormant or unused for some time, and if your readings are beginning to feel unclear or disconnected. That's the kind of thing where you just want to simply reconnect with your cards. And I tend to agree with that list. So Eerie, how do you yourself feel about cleansing? As far as cleansing my tarot deck, I always cleanse them as soon as I get them, just because I agree I don't know who's touched it, where it's been, what's going on with <laughs> it, even if it's in like a sealed package. Mm -hmm. I also like to just get the feel of the deck's like raw energy that hasn't been touched by other people. So I always cleanse as soon as I get the deck. I don't cleanse other than that. Usually right, yeah. I'm kind of just letting it vibe. A no one, one else done. no one else touches it. It sits on my altar. I have no reason to do anything with it. Well, there you go. So now that we've both given our opinion on cleansing, let's talk a little bit about how you do that. 
I typically use incense or a holy wood if I have one available or herbal smoke. Depending on what type of reading I'm doing, I change what I'm burning to cleanse. Lavender for clear communication and mugwort for intuition, rose petals for relationships, those kinds of things. Let the smoke roll over your cards and let old energy drift away. Some cleanse with setting their deck in a bowl of salt. Some find the sunlight cleansing, some find the moonlight cleansing. The OG way to cleanse cards were to knock on them three times to get the old energy out. Have you ever heard about that? I've not. Yeah, I, when I was doing research for this, I found out like that was what they used to do. Do we like, know why the number three? I mean, is that like a angel number? Like it's like a holy number? I've heard that it's either a really good number or like demons use it to mock the holy trinity. So yeah, take it is that. kind of odd. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I, I didn't, there was no, this is why we did it. It was just, we did it this way. So I think it's interesting, like, yeah. knock, 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 get, get yourself on out of get here. Out of Hello, it's me, I'm here. Leave, thanks. The great thing about tarot is that it's all about intention mostly. So once you find out what way works for you, what way brings in the energy you'd like to have, you and your deck will become more in tune over time. So Eerie, you were also telling me the other day about the importance of storing your deck properly. Would you mind telling our oddlings about that? Yeah, so I don't do this, which is why we were talking about yeah. it, because I am a very lazy witch, <laughs> and honestly, I sit my deck on my altar and I call it a day, but I believe you're supposed to wrap them and store them in a specific type of box. I did Google it when we were talking about it, and there are some really beautiful boxes mm -hmm. out there. It's kind of the same idea as like, you know, those like the new age health people that have like those bags that you put the like your your phone in. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the same idea. Like you don't want the vibes getting out or the vibes getting in. That's fair. So obviously neither of us do that, but it is something that you will find in circles. So that's something that interests you and you feel the need to protect your energy. I mean, definitely go for it. And who also doesn't love like a beautiful box for your trinkets, you know? So let's get into pooling cards and taking a reading. I always have incense burning when I'm doing a reading. I also always have music playing. It transports me to a higher self. You're typically gonna walk into the room that I do these things in and find some like, I think I use the healing harps playlist on Spotify the most because I love an instrumental moment. Um, you're, that's why I also do the soundscapes in this because I love an instrumental moment. <laughs> it typically transports me to a higher self and when I do a reading, I shuffle my cards. While I'm shuffling, I am talking to my deck, either internally or externally, however I feel. I let the deck know what I'm doing and what kind of reading I'm doing, how many cards I'm pooling, and what I'd like to get out of them. So here's an example of what I did for the full moon last week. While shuffling, I said today I am looking for closure of this cycle and guidance for the new cycle. I will pull three cards, the first being what I did to harvest from this cycle, the second being where I align within this moment, and the last being what I need to look forward in the next cycle. At that point, I touch every card and wait until I get the feeling. It's hard to describe the feeling. To me, it's like a squeeze to my arms. Do you have a certain feeling, Eerie? So when I pull a card, I don't ever pull off the top. I usually shuffle and then I fan them out and then I run my fingers over the top of them and whichever one seems right, that's the one I pull. There you go. See, it's all about intention and what seems right. Oh, something also that our newbies might not know is that if a card falls out of your hands while you're shuffling or laying cards out, typically that card is something you need to read. So some people do readings differently. I'm typically a weekly or a full moonly type of reading person. Eerie, I know you typically pull daily and that's pretty common in our practice so do you mind talking about that no not at all so i do a daily 
pool. When I remember to do it again, we revisit very lazy witch, not always the best. I'm not going to call you lazy. I'm going to call you chaotic. I Very, <laughs> very. So I, like I was saying earlier, shuffle my deck, run my fingers through the top, pull which one feels the best. And then that is typically kind of the vibe or like the intention of the day. It kind of, it's not like telling the future of what's going to happen that day. It's just kind of, hey, here's like a high level vibe of the day. Um, I also have a little plaque type thing made of wood that goes on my altar so that you can sit the card in it. Uh, that way it stays visible all day and it kind of displays it to make it easier. It has the triple moon. I got it from um, Rest in Pieces, which is an oddity shop that we are both obsessed with. It is incredible. I went there when I visited um, some of my World of Warcraft friends. I'm a nerd also. Um, and that's what I do. And then I shuffle it back in at night and then pick a new one the following morning. Perfect. Thank you for sharing with us. So here's some examples of pools or questions for those who might need inspiration. These are the common questions I go to when I need some guidance. What am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling it so strong? How can I release this feeling? What is the feeling transforming into? How can I rise above? What is my new beginning? And what have I learned? My most common one is what do I need to be focusing on? Or what am I forgetting? Because I have ADHD and I forget everything. And every three weeks I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be mentally working towards. And I forget about it and then I come back to it. So luckily my deck tends to put me back on track pretty regularly. So let's talk about what tarot means to me. I think it's a form of spiritual therapy. You will pull cards that have meaning and an order. And it's on you and your gut to figure out what they mean to you. When I pull a three card past, present, and future, I'm going to put my own feelings on all of those cards. So this is the one thing that I will recommend you do buy, a journal. I use a spiral notebook, nothing fancy. With school supplies going on sale, I stock up on 75 cent notebooks and mechanical pencils, and I store them under my altar. I do cleanse them first, but they are probably one of my biggest and most used spiritual items. Writing out the cards and their given meaning, and then deep diving into what it means to me, finding the flow and jumping in. So even if you don't believe the universe gave you the cards or that your deck speaks to you and it's all mumbo jumbo, at the end of the day, it is a window into yourself. Erie, how do you feel about that? So going into supplies, uh, I'm a Capricorn as we have previously discussed. So my grimoire or my book of shadows is actually a three ring binder that has tabs and each tab is labeled differently and I keep paper in there so that I can move spells around, I can take notes, and that's typically what I use it for. I think it's important that you can reflect back on yeah. what you've done in your readings. Yep. If you aren't a person who likes to write things down, I also like to just take pictures of my readings. Yeah. Serafina will just get pictures of like, <laughs> look at this shit um, <laughs> when I do a reading. Yeah. So Like, oh, now this car's back around. Oh my god. Yeah, I do get those pictures a lot. I take those pictures too. I do think it's so important to have when I first started doing readings, I wrote everything out on post-it notes. I have put all those post-it notes in like one of those translucent binder slip things. Mm -hmm. So that way, if I ever need them, I can go back to them because sometimes your conversation within yourself and within the universe is not just a 30 minute sit down. It's a year. It's five years, you know? So it's definitely important to keep going back to things. Agreed. And for those who are beginning, I would like to talk about the economy around tarot because 
there are some scams and I think you should be careful. If you're listening to this, your TikTok for you page is probably full of people pulling cards for the masses and saying very general things that can convince anyone that they're talking to them. Please, if their readings are expensive, buy your own deck first. If you're interested in getting a reading, I get it. Tarot is fun and otherworldly, but you're always going to get your clearest reading from yourself or from someone in person. Not trying to discredit anyone, I just see it constantly and I want to make sure that our community knows where the value truly is. I think there are some legitimate people on yes, those for sure. types of social media, so I don't want to discredit them or no. take money away from people who are actually yes. good at it and they can do it online. Just make sure you're doing your research. Yes. Just don't be falling from someone who saw it as a get-rich-quick scheme, basically. And I don't want to discredit anyone either. I just feel like it's something that needs to be talked about a little bit because I just see it so constantly. So just be careful. Always be careful out there, especially on the internet. If your parents never told you, be careful with people on the internet. (laughs) So here comes the part of the episode where we get into some truly grisly stuff. Because our motto around here is if you like something, don't look into the history of it. And unfortunately, that's also our job. So here we go. If you have listened to this and thought that tarot would be something you'd be into, please explore this road. It's a great way to connect with yourself and your universe. In the West, we have this way of romanticizing everything for profit. When you think of tarot and you aren't in the craft, you might think of a carnival or the man in the Wizard of Oz with the turban and the traveling caravan. You might think of gypsies. But here's the truth with the matter. Gypsy's a slur. And yes, I'm currently saying this because I want to be clear about this. The Romani people have been very clear about this. This became a slur in the 11th century that Europeans came up with because the Romani have typically darker features and some white guys thought they were Egyptian. The Romani have a dark history of persecution and systemic racism. They finally got freedom after 500 years of slavery and then became nomadic because they had nowhere else to settle down. Everywhere had been taken from them. And then 70% to 80% of their population were killed in the Holocaust, and we don't ever hear about that. 90% of their population today are under the poverty line. They were, and still are, forced to do odd jobs and do whatever they could to survive in this world. They are constantly left out of public programs and housing and can't run for office to make their communities better because they have no addresses, because they were forced to be nomadic after centuries of oppression. Saying you're a gypsy has nothing to do with being a free bohemian soul. The media gives us two stereotypes that are directly related to the oppression they face. You're either going to get the dirty carny scoundrel or the hypersexualized eccentric woman. We need to recognize our language and performative actions affect policy for marginalized groups. We have under 2 million Romani living here in the States and about 10 million Romani split up across Europe. I know it's hard to hear these things. You might love Fleetwood Mac's song Gypsy, and I understand that. We have been sold this whitewashed version of this free spirit, but take a second and listen to Gypsy's Tramps and Thieves by Cher. Same decade, but it tells a story of a 16-year-old stuck in a systemic oppression. Our music, our voices have power. Please use it for good. Please do not go and get a tarot deck and decide you have a gypsy soul. We can be kind and intentional and free without hurting others. That's the beauty of this world. 
that's the beauty of the internet. We can connect with our neighbors, with our fellow statesmen, with our fellow countrymen, with people across the ocean. Hear their pleas and please listen. It does not cost you a single thing to be kind. And now you will never hear me say that word again, and I apologize for saying it in the first place, but I felt the need to be clear. So now that I can step off my soapbox, let's get back to actual tarot. Some people believe that talking to tarot cards are the same as a Ouija board. And I can only give you my opinion on that. I don't believe it's the same. I feel like a lot of controversial stuff comes from the same mindset that gave us Footloose. Witchcraft isn't Satanism. Wiccans don't believe in Satan. Most who practice don't believe in Satan. Norsecraft doesn't believe in Satan. There are dark forces in this world, for sure. But tarot isn't an open portal where anything can say what it wants to you. Tarot is about your relationship to yourself and your surrounding. If tarot cards and Ouija boards are just open portals chilling, my apartment is a vortex, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, because yeah. I have Ouija boards on my wall, like framed, multiple, some of them not cleansed and very vintage. We'll talk about that in another episode. <laughs> my tarot deck is sitting free, open on my altar, so... We doing all kinds of portals up in that bitch. Yeah, and has Satan himself come to say hi to you? Uh, no, he has not. Wow. Also, I have a picture of Baphomet on my wall. In fact, I have a naked Baphomet sticker on my Keurig that I look at every morning when I wake up. And you know what? Haven't met him. Not one time? Not a single time. Damn. Well, there you go, folks. So, we don't claim to be experts on anything. I mean, we're just, like, two girls chilling, hanging out, talking about what we love. And that's the thing with tarot as well, is that uh, Christianity has ruled the public's relationship with religion and spirituality for so long, it's hard to find stuff on tarot. What? It, whoa. <laughs> Again? But I think the thing that's most important to think about is that your intuition is like a muscle. It's the same as bodybuilding. The more you tap into it and use it, the more time you spend on it, the stronger it becomes. But as well, it can be draining. So it's important to take some deep breaths and center yourself before doing readings. I love tarot. I love the insight it can give me into parts of my psyche that I didn't see before. I hope that this has inspired you to get into this practice. But if you're someone who's already interested in tarot and maybe already have a deck and want to spice up your readings, let's talk about some things you can acquire that can help your space. Once again, truly nothing but yourself and your deck are needed but it is always nice to amplify if you can and if you want to. So like I talked about earlier, you're gonna always find me with some incense and some harp music playing, but I think everyone has something different. I know some people will light the same candle. Some people will smoke the same herbs. Some people will throw on death metal and headbang it out for a little bit and then pull their cards. It's all about getting your energy where you want it to be. The things that I have bought to help me out are a selenite plate, that is in the shape of a crescent moon, which is one of my favorite things that I own. I use that to lay out the reading I want to enhance. So after I'm done with my reading, I thank my cards and I place them on this to enhance that energy and to focus on that energy. There are some stones that can help correspond with the cards. Some examples being amethyst for transmuting negative to positive and enhancing your spiritual awareness. Labradorite for patience and introspection. Tourmaline for grounding and understanding the root of the problems you're facing. These are all things 
that can be used and have been used from witches before us. There are a bunch of resources out there online. Like we were talking before, Biddy Tarot is a really good one. There are a bunch of phone apps if you would like to have that, like Labyrinthinos and Trusted Tarot. So there are places you can go. I would definitely suggest if you can to get a tarot that has a guide with it or one that you can purchase. My tarot deck did have a separate guide that I could purchase and I did buy that because it's beautiful and I really like having a bunch of books around. So I definitely do recommend that, but they also had an online PDF that was free. So definitely don't think that you are stuck um, having to buy a whole bunch of stuff and do a whole bunch of stuff to get into it. I think that it's really beginner friendly in the sense of you don't have to memorize everything. You don't have to do anything. There are 78 cards in a deck and having to memorize all of them seems impossible, but it is a repetition thing. The Like I said, the more you work it like a muscle, the more you're going to get out of it. So I think that is pretty much all I want to cover. Eerie, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? I think we pretty much went over everything I also wanted to go over of course when you're using resources just make sure you do your research like we were talking yeah. about earlier anyone can make an app just mm -hmm. you know make sure you're looking into it i like to cross-reference the meaning of cards sometimes from a couple different websites just to get the full understanding i yeah. do use biddy tarot more often than not uh, my new deck did come with a guide and the guide is way better than anything i could ever imagine yeah. so i my guide is amazing it's so beautiful i am i am definitely someone who's attracted to art more so than i think anything else and having a deck that you basically call your friend is a wonderful thing in this crazy world so i think that's all from us so i hope you're enjoying your october and i hope that you are staying odd arcadia